Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 6, season 20. I hope you all are keeping well and safe. Um, this is going to be part 2 of our two-parts that we did with Guy Wilkes. Uh, really great feedback with regards to the first part of this, and uh, the second part doesn't disappoint either. Uh, in the meantime, if you can remember what we're trying to do and what we're trying to achieve, if, if you can help somebody or if you can donate something, please do. Um, you know, it can be anything. To, to help the guys that are helping us right now and hopefully we will start to see some light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to to life in general and obviously also our motorsport so uh, watch the space as it were I'm sure very very soon we'll be talking about a return of some sort and um, also all the boys will be back with us soon so all the boys are coming back we are going to do something together it's going to be interesting um, see how it all works with the four of us back and uh, yeah so I'll tell you a little bit more about that one probably next week. But in the meantime, as I say, uh, this is the second part with Guy Wilkes. It was a great chat and it was one of those ones where we genuinely didn't realise um, just how long it went on for, hence why it became a two-parter. Um, because it just seemed like I couldn't put a two-and-a-half-hour podcast out really, but still, there you go. Maybe maybe I should have done in, this, in the current climate. I'm not entirely sure. But um, anyway, first part went down really well. Some great feedback from that. Um, and thank you for, for that again. If you could subscribe... Again, I keep saying this, it does make a difference. Uh, Five-star reviews also on various platforms do make a difference to us and our listeners figures as well. If you could do that, fantastic. Share it around, tell a friend. That also makes a difference. But as I say, uh, this is Guy Wilkes, part two. Sit back, relax, make yourself a brew and enjoy Guy Wilkes. This is Absolute Rally. I did know part of it, but I didn't know all of it. So that's why I guess the additional time was spent with Suzuki. The leaving of Suzuki um, must have been one of mixed emotions then, because obviously you came back to do BRC. Um, yep. I can remember that being quite a big deal. And also you were running as as, as Andreas's teammate in a, in a two-car focus team. Obviously, kind of back to, I suppose, oh, working. Go on. Sorry, sorry, no, I'll let you finish your sentence. I jumped in. No, I was just going to say, because obviously that's when... You know, Andreas had quite a lot put into him. There was a two-car team. I seem to remember Mobile being quite heavily involved with your yeah. car. Um, but was that kind of, uh, that period of time, is that where it kind of grates a little bit, what happened, I suppose, with Subaru and ProDrive? Is that, is that the niggle? Is there still a niggle there about that, I suppose? Because no. that could have been the big, well, the big break. Yeah, no, I remember my dad sat me down. Like, literally, I was I was dis- not distraught about the whole thing, I think, as a youngster, I think, I'm trying to think how old it would have been under 2004. I've been 23. Um, and I, I just didn't really know... Uh, not how to handle it. I was just a bit dismayed with the whole thing. Um... You know, thinking I've, I've, I've just missed the opportunity. Uh, I, I was looking at it my step by step and thinking, yeah, well, actually, I feel like I'm ready for a World Rally car, even though I've got very little experience in one at that point. Um, and I was, I just felt that's the next logical step, like I said. Um, whereas my dad, time behind to me never, never bothered. It was always about the next step forwards, not what's happened behind. Whereas my dad was looking at it thinking, right, well, he's gone, hang on a minute, he's gone KA, 1400 Puma, 1600 Puma, 1600 Puma, Ignis, you know, so we've gone like, oh, 2000, 2001, two, three, and now four. So in his six days, could be in a world rally car. He's going, oh, this could be a bit too soon, you know. So he, my dad's trying to tell me, look, you know, it might, 
all these things happen for a reason, and, and it might be the reason that it could have been too soon. You know, mm-hmm. things have happened. You're a man. I, in my dad, I remember category. My dad saying, "I've always been a man of my word." He said it didn't matter for his contract. If I shook hands like you did with Suzuki, you did everything right. Because we even discussed. I said, "Look, Dad, what about if we, if I try to get myself released or severed from my Suzuki contract to go with uh, Suzuki, uh, Subaru?" He said, "I don't think that's a wise thing to do." He said, "Because they're both Japanese companies," and he said that if you do that with Suzuki and Subaru don't take you, you're left with nothing. And so my dad was always that calming business influence. And so, like you say, moving on from out of uh, Suzuki into 07 and 06 again, I lost a junior world championship in Wales. Uh, Chris and I were having a battle at the front. Uh, Chris was leading by a handful of seconds. And he smacked the rock, uh, lost the back wheel. Um, can't remember the name of the stage, but the one before halfway, I can see where it loops up and comes back at start and finishes almost at the same place up on that end. And um, we were going across the next stage. Literally, we had a good lead. And the diff came apart in the car. And um, basically, we lost all drive. So we lost another junior world championship. So at that point... Uh, two years later, the Subaru thing was sort of into, paled into insignificance because um, obviously Chris was in the seat thereafter, Atkinson. Um, they went look at obviously and found Chris, and I knew the opportunity wasn't going to come around. Chris was doing a decent job, so it was right. Got to keep going the Suzuki thing. Then at the end of '06, the car wasn't ready, the World Rally car for '07, and I was like, hang on a minute, I've done Junior World Championship now for. Um, what would that have been, three, four, five, six? Yeah, that was that was four years. And even though I'd loved every minute, it just hadn't happened. And how long do you stay on that rocky road to try and prove that point? I think I'd proven my pace and, you know, we'd had a bit of bad luck and I'd made some mistakes. But in terms of how much further was it going to develop my career, wasn't so sure. And at that point, Junior World Championship 1600 was kind of, not falling apart but it was becoming so expensive to compete at the top because that was the strength in depth if you look at 03, 04, 05 uh, even 06 there were some cracking drivers in there and um, so going to 07 I was kind of less high and dry because I didn't want to go back and do even Suzuki were falling apart a bit actually Uh, PG and my contract had come to an end um, and uh, myself my dad and a few guys in, in the UK had kind of come together and they were saying, no, I think you should go and you're right for a WRC car. You know, Andreas Mickelson's uh, father has two cars. So we can maybe get a two-car team going. Da, 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 da. And so we put that together. Um, and we hadn't signed anything, but we put that together. And anyway, the phone rang um, about a week before JWRC entries closed. And it was Suzuki, and they were basically uh, saying, uh, will, you, will you drive for us again in Junior World Championship? And I was thinking... Well, I've got this car, even though I was slightly naive about the spec of the car that with uh, the Mickelson job. Um, I've got that there, and I've got a junior world championship. And I said, well, look, he said, oh, by the way, and they twisted it. They, From being a paid driver with them for three years, they, they said, oh, well, there's no budget to pay a wage and this and that and the other, and things were going to be slightly different. And I said, well, to be honest, um, no. I said, that's, I'm not going to do it for that. Because you have to make a decision at some point when you become a professional driver. Um, do you keep going forwards? 
as a professional driver or do you stop? I think to go backwards is is a it's almost against your ethics really and you devalue yourself. Anyway, after I'd had the conversation with them, they rang PG about two days later. PG rang rang me or I rang PG, whichever way around it was. We both had a chat. Um PG said I've told them told them no. I said, Well I've told them the same. Anyway, they tried us both once more and I said, Well look, I've got this thing with um with this uh, focus and PG ended up taking the, the Super 1600 again. And that's how he ended up in the WRC seat for 08. But yeah, going, people say is a backward step. I remember the Mitsubishi drive didn't necessarily just sort of land in my lap. Uh, you'll have had a lot of chats with Ryan. I, 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 he still winds himself up over this. Because <laughs> um, Ryan was in the team in 06, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Was it Ryan Rory? I'm trying to think, yeah, if it was Ryan Rory and was David in there a little bit as well, or was that the year previous? I think anyway, that was the year previous. Okay, so I, I'd been doing Super 1600 in uh, Ignis again in 06. So I'd been floating around in BRC, and Paul Brigden um, was running the Mitsubishi job um, along with Chris Hodgson from, uh, from the technical side. And, um, so yeah, I got approached, uh, by them, um, would I be interested in driving the car? And I was like, what? Just like, oh, four, this will dovetail great with what I'm doing. And obviously it's, you know, it's a deal. I, I, I'm going to be leading the team. Um, so, and, and I know they're a good team. I know the car is good. Did group any, it really impressed me at that point. Mm. Not really, but I thought there's, there's one thing as a driver, if you're all in equal machinery, in inverted commas, at uh, the same class, the, the competitive side takes over from me. You know, if I was in a Group N car competing against WRCs on British Championship, I'd say, probably say no. But Group N competing against Group N, and that's a top tier. Yeah, come on, let's give it a crack. Let's get on and see if we can put ourselves at the top of the pile. And so that's what we did. Um, we worked did, um, obviously, Mitsubishi 07 with a few a uh, few rounds in the focus but god we had some trials and tribulations with that car um from sort of wrong maps inputted for, for the diffs which caused me two accidents on the uh, fully active car so um and yeah so there's a couple of maps that were in, inserted wrong into the car and caused me two accidents with what i was doing with the pedals but the pedals were making the car do something completely different because with an active car you can tell it to ramp up the pressures in the diff dependent on throttle angle um, or brake pressure. Um, and so, obviously, if you're doing one slightly more than the other, the car will react in a completely different way. And uh, it just so happened that, unfortunately, uh, the, the the maps were basically for a right foot breaker, so one so a driver that basically doesn't use the pedals both at the same time, whereas I do. I, I balance the car, I left foot brake, and I have a crossover of pressures. Uh, yeah, so... Had two accidents, uh, Norway and Acropolis, and then, oh God, Germany. Oh, sorry, Finland, we had a massive jump. Germany, we had, uh, and, and I think we finished eighth in, in Finland. Then we went to Germany, and this is an interesting story. We just went to the start of the first stage, and the brake, the car started to, the brake started to bind on. I didn't know why. Anyway, 5 4, 3 2 1, set off the start line, very first stage. I didn't know it, but. It was a drag up to a hairpin right and straight into the vineyards on a wide road. And um, we set off the start line first, second, third, fourth, fifth. And when I started to come down the gears, it wouldn't change down the gears. I quickly realized that we'd lost hydraulic pressure. 
So in the Focus then, he used to have to take the handbrake, there was a pin in the handbrake to take it across um, and put it into the manual shift uh, for the gearbox. So we had to do the vineyards with the manual shift. But the problem was the brakes were binding on. In the first stage, they bound on that much that I came down a massive, really fast section that they use for a hill climb. Yari Matti actually has put it in the Armco barriers, barriers a few years later there uh, in the wet. And it's really, really high speed down to almost like a 90 right, but quite wide, and you can take a line. I lifted off, and basically the car started to slow as if I was hard on the brakes. I wasn't even touching them. Uh, we got to a very tight hairpin right where there's always cameras, and the car just would not pull away. I was, I was burning the clutch out. <clears throat> so I had to stop. Basically, I had a look, good look around, realized that, that I put the, the pressures on the screen, pulled the brake pedal back, and realized it released pressure off the, off the master cylinders. Then I knew there was something wrong, so I drove the rest of the stage. We were absolutely stoned last to 148, I think it was. Can't remember how many minutes behind, but we managed to get back up to 10th. And again, it got a lot of recognition from Christian Lorio, actually, for um, the times we did thereafter on that rally, and Malcolm as well. I, I suppose, again, like you said, square in the circle, uh, in your own head the Mitsubishi drive obviously it did net you two titles as well it has to be said yeah which uh, you know was was the British British Championship did it, did it did it mean something to you at that point because you were still pushing for WRC did it still have that thing that perhaps a younger a younger guy would have would have appreciated or is it more something now you look back on and go actually you know what I was actually a double British champion I'm definitely proud of them. Um, we had some cracking drives, and to be quite honest, if I didn't have them, I wouldn't have a lot. <laughs> so yeah. it's um, yeah. Do you know what? I, I again, you, you talk about great teams. I, I, about this lockdown, bizarre lockdown that we're in. I was telling you before we started recording, I took the opportunity to have a go through, it and I still haven't finished. And I've got all my overalls actually um, on a table, all all folders, um, because who knows where all the bikes are? But I'm just trying to sort them out. And I look through them, and the Mitsubishi overalls, <clears throat> they do. When I look at them, they resonate with me. I was involved with some fantastic teams, but the lads, again, in Mitsubishi, they, you know, they jump through hoops. Um, and what you're saying for me, I'm sure Ryan probably found the, the same thing, that, you know, with ADR. They just got better and better and better. And I suppose the culmination was the, the two years I was with them, because that was the last real two years that they, I, I believe they were involved with um, uh, the, the British works team, if you like. And, um, yeah, we had some, it, it wasn't without fault. I remember, um, well, basically fracturing a third gear on the Pirelli. We still managed to win and they changed the gearbox in a, I can't remember how many minute service. It was ridiculous. Um, whether it was a 20 or a 30 minute service and they changed the gearbox in the Mitsubishi, which people were, were saying you couldn't do in 45. Um, yeah, we did lose a little bit of time. I think, no, I can't remember how much time we lost. It wasn't much at all in service. But, yeah, you know, when guys pull out all the stops for you, you know, rallying is a, a team sport, very much a team sport. And a lot of people forget that. But obviously, not just Phil or David in the, in the co-driving seat as, as we're in the Mitsubishi, but, you know, when the chips are down or you have a problem like that and the lads dig deep and do you something phenomenal like that as a driver, it just inspires you you know, to, to keep going and you're, you're always grateful. But yeah, cracking team Mitsubishi. And like I said, um, I'm trying to think what, uh, yeah, I, I definitely haven't got any junior world champ championships and I haven't got any world championships. So the two British championships are uh, <laughs> the, the, the ones that I count. 
at the at the end of of, of that period. Was there a fork, a fork in the road for you guys? Did you think that perhaps the opportunities weren't there? And yeah. was IRC, as it was just starting to come to the fore, did that suddenly become, you know, a very, very viable destination all of a sudden? Yeah, but it was quite strange. It was like a different world to start with. You know, you had lots of other people that had been, that kind of managed to get an opportunity, either luckily or, or however they'd got them. You know, Danny Sola was involved, uh, Luca Betty, like guys that I knew and had competed against. They were with uh, Yasu, the Honda team, even on two-wheel drive. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, Gian Domenico Basso was in Fiat, and Anton Olen, who was an unknown at the time, but he'd managed to get into the Fiat team. Obviously, we know who his, knew who his father was. Um, but yeah, it was almost like a, a world that was running in parallel, but not connected. And... Um, it was like a load of great European drivers that were in the, in the IRC. And I was, at the end of 08, um, finished Mitsubishi. Um, I was trying to think. Yeah, oh, oh, no. I'll tell you what happened, actually. 08 was 07. Um, first year with Mitsubishi, won the championship. Obviously, I didn't finish that year with Mickelson. I did uh, Rally Island in, and finished sixth in, uh, in a Subaru, but a private one. Um, a yellow one a lot of people remember it um, and finished right behind Petter <clears throat> on Rally Island and then in 08 with Mitsubishi halfway through the year or early in the year actually uh, I got a phone call from an Italian team Yas Motorsport who ran the Honda the previous year uh, or Hondas for Luca Betti and Danny Sola and they I don't know how actually but they obviously got my number and wanted me to come and help them develop the car, but also go to Australia and try and start a program because Honda Australia had shown interest. That was the start of the program. Anyway, we went out to, uh, to do those in Australia, had a drive shaft problem on the first one, and had a monster actually on the second one, um, which actually was, uh, uh, I forgot what the name of the rally was, but it was, it was what later turned into um, WRC Australia obviously at uh, Coffs Harbour. And we were fighting for the lead of the rally against the Australian uh, national rally champion. Um, oh, Eli's brother. Eli. Uh, uh, oh, it's eluded me. His, his big brother. Um, hope he doesn't listen to this. Uh, Simon Evans. Simon Evans was in a Toyota, four-wheel drive Toyota, and we were in a two-wheel drive uh, Civic, and we were lying four seconds behind him. And... Uh, he had pulled off. He was running a minute or two minutes because the dust ahead of us. We didn't realize he'd pulled off, so in inverted commas, we were leading the rally, but I was pushing that hard to try and win it outright for time. Didn't know he was off. Caught a, a tree stump, which is just at the side of the road, as they often are in Australia, and had a, a monster tail over nose and a big roll. But <laughs> it sounds ridiculous to say that's what got me my foothold and opportunity into IRC, but it kind of did because um, Honda, again, great great team, great people, they saw that, um, that together we could do something and we went off to do um, Rally Russia in the Civic. Uh, myself and Phil had a bad back at that time. David Moynihan was co-driving and Chris Meek and um, Paul Nagel. Chris and Paul Nagel were um, there in the R3 Clio. So it was back to old times, wasn't it? There was going to be a scrap on 
So, uh, yeah, we did Rally Russia. Neither of us finished. Uh, Chris held the sump. Um, we, had a, we had a really good start to rally myself and David. David was uh, a little bit apprehensive. I think it was his first big sort of overseas event um, with, with a re- really well-organized team. I mean, Yas Motorsport uh, built the Super Touring cars for Honda, Alfa Romeo, DTM cars. They've got an illustrious career of circuit racing, but rallying um, not, at that point um, wasn't that well known. So, we had, yeah, we had a good scrap with Chris for about four or five stages. Uh, we were, I don't know, 15, 15, maybe not quite 20 seconds to the good when he held the sump. And then we went on further, but I think I had a fuel pump problem. But, yeah, that's how my opportunity became into IRC as such uh, through Honda. At the time, and again, suppose going back to, I, I was fascinated by IRC simply because what we were talking about before, I suppose, the naturally aspirated engines and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned some of the drivers that were getting opportunities before, and you know, the the the, the list is, is is just, you know, it'll be like, it's it's like a who's who when you start going through it. Yeah. Um, but a little bit closer to home for you, I suppose, an opportunity came to be in a four wheel drive car. Um, and it was the Proton, which obviously was built in the UK by MEN. Yeah, that's right. So, um, uh, so yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, you, you'll have to jog my memory. Um, I don't think because you did the Pire- you did the Pirellian, and that was yeah, the one that who, went up who, in flames. That car, and that car done a rally. Um, I really can't remember now. Yeah, that, that I car- think I, th- I think it was the car that Niall Niall McShay used. This is right. On rally this Island. is right. Oh, yeah. but that went back to Rally Island, but not even oh seven. It would have been maybe oh eight. Rally Island oh eight or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it, it was the it was the one when they, they all turned turned up there, and Nile went out and actually obliterated obliterated everybody in the rain. If you remember, it was absolutely lashing down. Yeah, but down that was maybe then, a bit of false false promise that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. against Nile, but the, if you remember, yeah. it absolutely dumped it down with rain, wasn't it? There was massive puddles and there was yeah. tears that came into play and a whole host of other bits and pieces, and. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember the, the whole story, but I remember there was a, a fair few anomalies um, that, that came to fruition to, to cause that. But nevertheless, I think you're right. I can't remember. I was trying to think if it had done an IRC round before we got involved. I remember now you said that Niall did did uh, Rally Island um, in it. I can't remember what. what uh, uh, yeah, but you're right. Um, so that was the start of 09. Um, we'd actually just won Rally Finland uh, with Honda in the middle of the previous year um, in two-wheel drive. And we went to, we was kind of, not that high and dry, but I, I, I was to a certain extent. I was scratching around a little bit, thinking, where can I go, what can I do? Um, and I think I, no, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, somebody, uh, whoever was building the MG, was uh, trying to get me to drive it with hand-cooked MS- tires. M- MSD. It would yeah, have been. That would have been they, yeah, MSD with. Uh, it was Mike Passing with Hancock because that Hancock yeah. for did float round. Because yeah. uh, uh, I think Stuart uh, Stuart Jones, who, who was mentioned before we started even doing this, yeah. uh, ended up with Hancock deal. Andreas ended up with it a bit later down the line. It seemed to bounce right. around, but yeah, That's but the, right. uh, the MSD were desperately trying to get a, a, pro, a program going with the MG yeah. originally. Yeah, they, they, they were trying to get that going, and I wasn't really because I knew I knew it didn't have the the best of engines in it, um, and so you know it's nothing against tires develop, and you know at that point Hancock were looking to develop tires, and if you've got two things that uh, you know you're going to be against, it's hard to have a have a measure of anything, 
um, to know what, what, what's the benefit and what's not. Um, so <clears throat> I can't remember if I rang Chris or Chris rang I, and um, we went. I went and met him, had a look around the car, and they got some really good ideas. And to be fair to them, for the for the small team that they were, I don't know how big they are now, because I know that they've built a new R5 car. They've done a, a, a really good job, um, and in car together. Um, it, it went back though. It went. It rewound me because it was on a damper. <laughs> We've talked about dampers already. It was on my least favourite damper. That was my big question mark and the engine. Pretty good gearbox, the damper and the engine. So it was on dynamic uh, dampers, um, which I told Chris were before I even drove the car. I said I think that that's something an area that we need to look on for improvement. Um, and the engines, the guys were building their own engines at the time. So yeah, so we went off and did um, a test, and then we did uh, the Prelli Rally at the start of the year, and uh, we were against group N cars really. So Mark and um, I'm trying to think who else. Well, that was at the start of '09, wasn't it? So what was it? Oh, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been Mark and probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we we did the Prelli, and we were leading. Um, we, we had a few problems. We smashed the back window on the Friday night in a few stages because the car was crashing out the dampers. Just couldn't take it. And um, smashed the back window, had a, a, a car full of dust. Um, not everything was going perfectly, but we were winning by, I don't know, I, I couldn't even say whether it be 20, 30 seconds or, or more. Um, but we were, we were winning quite comfortably. And so obviously that buoyed the team and the way we would go to do some IRC events. Um, and uh, that, they weren't without trial and tribulation I, I forget the best result was maybe fourth in Russia I think we lost the brakes and there was always something causing problems uh, but yeah we, we agreed to part ways um, well yeah that, it, it, we agreed to part ways um, uh, mid to yeah sort of back end of the middle of the season um, just because things weren't going right you know uh, in terms of um, what was happening uh, from my point of view and things were becoming a bit frustrated in the car not between Phil and I but I think Phil and I um, from a point of view that we knew that, that, that um, with some certain changes that, that, that things could go better and um, so yeah so we, again we were on the sideline when we got a phone call from uh, Skoda um, UK to say they had a an opportunity he was interested to drive the car in Rally Scotland the inaugural Rally Scotland and um, uh, basically that so of course snapped their hand off and said yeah definitely let's let's crack on let's see what we can go and do and so we went off to do Rally Scotland and that's where that relationship started really because obviously that teed you up was that was that only meant to be a one-off because obviously I suppose Rally Scotland, I can remember that, I can see the car now, I can see, in my blue mind's one. eye, I can see that colour, the blue, yeah, which obviously yeah. was different than, and everything else. Was that, who was running that car? Uh-huh. Again, a guy called uh, René Georges. Um, was the- I remember, well, I I sent that car to um, to the to do the Asia Pacific series after that. I flew mm-hmm. There you go. It's a small, small yeah. world, yeah. When Rennie George closed the doors, I had all the equipment to move. Yeah. Well, to be honest, uh, just rewinding, you said, uh, you know, how did that all tee up? In the first conversation I had, um, yeah, it was a one-off. And then I got to the night of the rally 
sorry, the night before the rally starting and everybody landed up from Skoda UK and they came and we didn't have a meeting, we were having a meal and they took me to one side and said, just, just want to let you know that um, if you can just get a really solid, good result, um, it might mean more for next year. <laughs> Again, by this point being a bit more mature, not leaving question marks. Sorry, what do you mean by more? Um, well, if you get a good result and we can get Skoda UK, um, the directors behind it, we just need to prove off the back of this the marketing we can gain from it and we want to have our own entity as opposed to this factory team all the time, um, that we can potentially get you more than half of a, of a championship next year. I was like, right, okay, now you're talking. So that <laughs> added a different dimension, didn't it? So... I'm, can, can, can I just before you carry on can I ask a question yeah can I ask a question because that was the year that that Chris won the IRC wasn't it yes oh nine yes in the in a in a bizarre back end kind of way did Chris help you get your Skoda drive then do you think there was there was something added to that as well the fact that Chris had been successful for sure yeah Peugeot and um, Skoda um you know are not too dissimilar in who they sort of target the audience uh, is really and um Obviously, Peugeot had grabbed it with, with both hands and they were doing a great job with the marketing in the UK and obviously Skoda had seen this and probably thought, well, you know, we, we would like a, a piece of this. And Chris had won the championship by the time he'd come to Scotland. So he was just out and he'd been up there. I'd never done those stages, although some were fresh to Chris as well. Um, basically, I was you know new to them all and Chris had done them on the McRae stages in a Mark II I think from memory you told me um, but yeah we landed up there and uh, it was like when I got told that wow and the, the actual uh, the engineer on the car then was a young Bel Belgian uh, lad called uh, Yannick Willox who is now the lead uh, engineer and has been for a few years for the Skoda factory team so um, yeah we, we, we had a, a great event he was a really good young uh, engineer uh, listened to the driver it's amazing you know going through there's a, there's a common theme I think with, with, with good teams and the, that is the biggest thing is, is listening and being quite direct you know you're not mincing your words sometimes you have to hear it hard and that's even for a driver from a team manager look if you pull your finger out you're not doing your job get this done get that done I've seen it with other drivers um, and the other time myself but Yannick, uh, yeah, was a great guy, and we went on. We didn't really have, I suppose Chris and I w would always have a scrap um, in a car. Uh, if it, well, do, do, you know, do, do you know, before you go again, because I, I, I actually, this is something else that I've been meaning to ask you, because there's been, obviously, this real... Do you think, who was more desperate to recreate the kind of, the Chris versus Guy, the way the Richard versus Colin was. Who was more? Do you think there was a? a, a, a do you think there was a, a an underlying thing that people wanted to recreate that? Uh, I think it's only natural to to be honest because um, it's healthy, isn't it? Yeah. And I think whether it's the press, whether it's the spectators, fans, um, myself and Chris, for sure, you want. Uh, you want to be top dog, but you don't just want to be top dog of Chris and I. Um, you want to be top dog of everyone you're competing against. And obviously, the last thing you want to be, I suppose, 
um, or should I say, the one, the, the one that's not hurts the most, the, the one that you, you, you might feel, not aggrieved, but if, if you come second if, and you're, you're top of everyone and, you, and I come second to Chris or Chris came second to me, you know, then you're thinking, wow, they've got all the plaudits, you know, they're in the limelight. And, um, but yeah, it, it's the great thing about rallying was that we couldn't affect each other on the stages physically. You're out there, you're doing it yourself. We can't knock each other off like I did later in Rallycross. You know, we couldn't take each other out. At some point, you have to take your hat off and go, yeah, you've done a better job. It might be the, 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 the combination of car, team, and driver have done a better job. Sometimes you might have been in the same car and driver's just done a better job. But at some point, you've got to take your hat off and go, better man one on a day. And like you said, that was healthy. And, and to a certain point, I think it helped both of us. Uh, Chris and I even talked at one point when we were both, I can't remember the year, but it was probably about 07, 07 or maybe 08. I mean, uh, not that I can really speak openly about Chris and his brother. Barry has been fantastic for, for Chris's, Chris and his career. Um, but we did, yeah, we, we used to socialize a little bit together back and forth. And um, we once talked about maybe we need to, instead of fighting each other, uh, maybe join efforts. And then obviously... Chris was able to get a gig somewhere else. You know, that was when he was in Ireland doing stuff in the Super 1600 Clio and things like that. You know, we Chris has had to, to scrape the barrel at times and and me also. And Chris has done what he's done and I've done what I've done. But yeah, there was, we did have that conversation at one point that maybe instead of it being always the battle, maybe we should flip it around. Um, it didn't last long because one of us obviously got an opportunity and the other one didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the... You know, it started off quite a strong year with the Skoda, but I, I want to ask the question. Um, you, you, you're not a person who, who kind of does regrets. We, we, we kind of spoke about this. Mm. The end of, the end of 2010, when you got to the end of obviously your time with the Skoda UK team, mm. obviously the seat came up to replace Chris at Peugeot. Yeah. Was that, was that one which perhaps now does have a tinge of regret to it or, or not? Uh, not regret. Um, again, it came back to being honest to yourself. Uh, and I can say all these things now. Um, at the end of, oh, uh, sorry, 10 with Skoda for two rallies or so, um, there were some great guys in the team, but the team... This wasn't quite run effectively. Um, Skoda, from my point of view, um, Rally Team Italia, the car, the car, yeah? Um, so the budget that was coming from Skoda UK, uh, you know, what I was allowed to do in terms of testing, um, I was happy with it. I would have liked a bit more. But the biggest problem was the spec of the car and obviously the parts that were going on it. Um, for example, I remember turning up to the very first rally we did in, in 10... Um, and we had, we didn't have, uh, we, we did a, a test on the road because the car was late in San, near San Remo, um, which was as bumpy as hell. And we were on San Remo dampers. Well, the rally actually started off on snow and ice and I was on San Remo tarmac dampers, um, you know, which you would only really use uh, on certain parts of the smoother stages down south, called the Torini, uh, places like that. Um, and these were the things that were going on through the year they, that, that we never had full access to the proper parts. And it started to frustrate me because we were getting good results, although 
I outdid myself um, in fine style in uh, Sardinia when I broke my back. Um, but yeah, leading up to Sardinia, we'd done like a sixth on Monte Carlo and then a second in Brazil behind Chris and then a second in Argentina splitting the two factory cars behind Yuho. But our car, the gear cuts, the engine map, bits and pieces, not that I'm... Um, like a sore loser in any way, shape, or form, because I'll always try and wring the neck out of whatever we've got. Um, <clears throat> but I said to the guys, to Scotty UK, come on, you know, we need to have a proper car. You know, it needs looking after by the factory. If you've got a team that wants to run it on events, fine, but we need to have a proper car. And they um, promised that they would get it sorted, and I said I wouldn't sign a contract until they got it sorted. And I gave them up until the start of Rally Scotland, and they couldn't do it. But they couldn't. They couldn't guarantee it. Um, and they, but they said that they would guarantee it verbally. But they couldn't guarantee it when it got to the sign of contract. But before that, Peugeot had actually approached me um, and said that you know we'd love to sign you. Um, you know, if it was actually Mark Van Dalen that uh, from Kronos that made the first uh, call. And he said, look, you know, Chris is <clears throat> going off to do something else. Um, and we'd love to replace him with you. And from the outside, looking in at Kronos, Chris had you know a great gig, although I knew the car was a little bit long in the tooth, even at the point Chris had it. And Chris would tell me, even when we're in Scotland, you know, that strengths and weaknesses as such, we're always fairly honest uh, with each other about stuff like that. Um, because at the same time, we had enough uh, grey matter to work it out for ourselves. And, you know, we weren't going to make each other out to be a, a fool. And um, so, yeah, basically Peugeot were... Skoda started to be a bit... Uh, well, a, a little bit... Um, uh, how can I say? A little bit uh, funny. And um, Peugeot just came along and just laid it all on the line, what they were going to give me, what I was going to get. Uh, and it all sounded very good. Um, it didn't quite materialise as good as what they said, but um, a, a, a lot of it did. Um, so, yeah, from a regret from jumping from Skoda to Peugeot with what they offered me, no. But when I jumped to Peugeot, Skoda did everything to then pull out all the stops to give whoever they were going to get what I'd asked for, if that makes sense. Yeah. Was it a shock that Skoda UK went to Andreas? Because um, that was a big deal. That was a big deal at the time. I can remember so much being said um, in the press, obviously MN and things like that. You know, potentially, why is it not a UK-based driver? And obviously, they made the decision to go for the best driver possible. Did it? Did it, did it kind of shock you? Because at that point, I suppose IRC had historically the dealer teams and the importers and stuff like that. I, that was the whole point, really, wasn't it? They attached themselves to their driver, as it were, from their nationality. 100%. Um, it didn't, it didn't. Um, I think it boiled down to potentially somebody in the, somebody in the team uh, potentially having a soft spot for, for, for the driver as such. Um, but, yeah, it worked out. Well, uh, no, it didn't work out the first year. It was the second year, wasn't it? Um, Andreas didn't win in 11 who oh you was it you who won it in 11 yeah I think it was yeah you also and I think there was a bit, bit of a clean out of people doing it at the end of 11 to 12 taking nothing away from Andreas he's done fantastic things after that but at that point 
Um, I think that um, you know the IRC sort of bandwagon wheels had sort of taken a bit of a wobble, and yeah, it, it did to me because it was a bit of a stab in the back. I, I, not that I took it as, but people told me said, "Oh, that's a complete stab in the back to you because you asked for all, people who I knew inside. You asked for all of those things. They wouldn't promise them to you. As soon as you jump ship, um, you know they pulled out all the stops to to make sure it happened. Now that that's not Skoda factory. Just want to make that clear. That's not Skoda factory. That was Skoda UK because they were having to fund it. But there was a little bit. There was a little bit of politics, um, you know, there, which uh, it's very difficult to explain. And you know, it, it, it's not that it's naming names, but you know, for the general general spectator, there'd be a lot of question marks if I try to tell a story that it wouldn't link the story together. Well, sometimes it, sometimes sometimes it's better to let sleeping dogs lie. Exactly. Well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this has been, as ever, it's been an epic chat. Having said that, they've been, they've been lying for a while now, Tony. I'm not scared of saying too many things anymore. <laughs> 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 it's not that I'm looking to go back into it. Um, Having said that, yeah, true, the true. <laughs> yeah, so just say, the phone number's still the same. Yeah, Call yeah. me. Hey, uh, don't be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you did you know? Uh, benefit of hindsight is is a wonderful thing. We all know that, but. Did you know at the end of 11, that was pretty much it? First time I was ever mentally uh, drained, I would say. Um, and uh, it, it, it was uh, 11, not the first time that I'd taken problems home. I, I, I was always, I did various things, media training. I had psychologists, you know, not that I ever had a long um sort of, uh, how should I say, relationship with any psychologist, but just manufactured at certain points, introduced all these things, fitness, uh, you know, nutrition, all of these things. And I, I, one thing that resonated with me was, you know, one person said about the uniform. And, you know, when you hang the uniform up, you know, that's when all of that stuff has to say that side of the line. And when you put your, your home clothes on or your sports clothes on, that's you, you know, your different mindsets, different places, try and not make them overlap. And 11 was a really bad year for me. Uh, Sarah and I had had our our eldest daughter by that point. Uh, Florence was born in, let me think, uh, 10. And uh, so she was a year and a half, uh, well, a year old um, almost when I was with uh, Peugeot. So, yeah, it was, I was taking stuff home, not, but like in my head. And it was grinding me down um, because things weren't going right. So little things, again, some cracking lads on the on the car, uh, you know, like friends for life. You know, uh, I see them at different events and sometimes go out of my way. Um, not rarely to see them. I do with a lot of, um, it doesn't matter what level you were, whether you were perceived to be the driver, the team manager, the mechanic. We always treated, everybody was on the same level. You know, as soon as it was, we're going to the restaurant. Everybody's on the same level. Of course, you need a hierarchy, hierarchy um, in, in a team to make it work. But yeah, just in the last year with Peugeot, things started to go wrong. And I think that uh, quite quickly, um, Kronos had realized that uh, the two, what was that, that we were in the 207 or the 208? Yeah, no, it's 207. Seven, yeah, the 208 to R5. The 207, um, you know, that was coming to the end of its life. So, you know, in terms of the the, 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 the the freshness of parts that were going on the car and we had engine 
an engine that let go and just some real duff stuff that, yeah, it could have all been so different, could have all been so different. And actually, I had the complete opposite Monte Carlo experience. We finished third on the podium, but again, a story, um, we tested on snow and ice and I'd only had the, that damper on, um, on the car. And we were having a fight for the for the lead uh, for the first two days with uh, Brian Bouffier. Um, I say fight for the lead. He, he, you know, as as you know, Monte Carlo, a fight for the lead. It always happens until you go over the finish ramp, because in Monte Carlo you can lose ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty seconds of stage, and it's not over. You know, it depends what tyres and what weather conditions they cover, but. Um, yeah, the, the, all the guys changed over to basically tarmac dampers for the lower end of the of the rally, the more southern end of the rally, and um, <clears throat> we we were told we were doing a good job, and nobody else had changed. And um, so we were Phil and I were doing our best on a damper that was basically too soft, soft to set up, and uh, we were hemorrhaging time. And eventually, Stefan Sarazan who is absolutely no slouch, he came past us, but because he was just doing a one-off rally, he actually claimed third um, on, on the rally on time, but was asked to check in late. Uh, I think he got biased by maybe, I don't know, a handful of seconds or something like that, because on Torini he'd got the tarmac dampers, and we didn't because there was none left, I found out later. And that's why we were told, yeah, you're doing a great job. But yeah, it's those things I, I don't like. Um, I, I'm, I like the truth. If somebody told me... Um, Hey, look, you know, it just so happens that everybody else has taken the tarmac dampers, which seemed a strange thing to me. Um, but, yeah, it's, it could have started so well, and it could have progressed so well. I made a couple of mistakes, well, one mistake in the middle of the year in the Azores. It, it was, the Azores is a fantastic rally, but a hell of a tricky one if the weather's wrong. Uh, it can be so slippy because the stages change, but not to dwell on that too much. Just towards the end of the year, it finished really badly uh, in terms of uh, results because... San Remo, we had an accident. That is one of my biggest regrets. I don't like having regrets, as you know. San Remo, we went to shakedown. We did two runs, and we ended up being, on our second run, we ended up being a second and a half faster than Andreas. I think he was second fastest, but he only got within a second and a half on his, I think, fourth or fifth run. And um, so I was just in a, a good place, and we went off, and the only time Phil, Phil and I had ever argued about a corner, um, and Phil, we'd had su- such a bad luck. Uh, we're fighting for the lead in Czech Barham Rally, Neslin, and we had a puncher um, when we're fighting Yanka Pecky. And this was, I think, was the next rally afterwards, and there was a corner cut. It's so famous; it's always on the TV. Um, and Phil was like, "I don't think we should cut it." I said, "Phil, just cut it. Everybody else cuts it. Just, I've told you right, cut." And we'd never, ever argued what was the blooming corner we crashed on. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one. And that just summed the whole, that just summed the whole, whole job up. It was frustration. Phil and I had gone like from 03 all the way to the, to 11. And that was the first time we'd re- yeah, we'd debate things and we'd, 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 we'd even get heated debate about things, but we had a complete disagreement. Phil was almost being overprotective, um, because he wanted it to go right, and both obviously wanted it to go right, and he was like, oh, I don't think it's worth taking a risk of cutting this corner, um, you know, for a puncher. And um, basically, I was saying, look, that's the line. We've taken this line on this rally before numerous times. We've done it, you know, twice or thrice before. We've always cut this. Everybody cuts this. Let's just get it in the notes. 
And Phil was thinking, well, yeah, but it's the first day of the rally. What if we punch you? You know, that's it, game over. And so, yeah, we went from, we crashed there and then on that stage. And, you know, to be honest, um, Andreas and Thierry had a hell of a fight at the end of that uh, rally to win it on the last stage. But that was one that we just, I just felt good, even though we were still facing trials and tribulations. Got to the end of the year, like I said, and there wasn't much around. Peugeot um, pulled out uh, because of budget, massive budget problems in PSA Group. Eventually pulled the um, pulled the smaller budget one first, which was the rallying, and then pulled the the uh, Le Mans budget, which was about I don't know, it was more than ten. It was must have been almost twenty times more. They pulled that about six months later, but they tried to desperately hold on to it. But yeah, that's just the thing. You know, these things go in cycles. You know. I generally say motorsport has historically. I don't know about the future. Ten-year um, cycles. Uh, so you know, you're f- five years between your high and your low uh, for manufacturers involvement. I see. I think that is a really good place to stop because the reason why is because you've just said something which resonates. In that, I was about to say it's not quite ten years, but I was about to say. But what a 10-year blast you had, Guy Wilkes, because that's just 10 years we've yeah. just discussed. I, I, I know I have to pinch myself sometimes because I know how lucky I was, even though I, could talk, I have talked about the unlucky parts um, and, and, and I could elaborate on them. But if I look back, I was really involved in rallying from being a youngster. Um, but I was never close to it. I was never as close as I wanted to be, and I never thought I would get close. I never ever thought I'd get the opportunity to drive. Um, like I said, my my, my parents. They, you have to understand. We 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 we, ha- we had to earn things. Whether whether that was an opportunity to go and get the green feet to go and play for a round of golf with friends at thirteen, fourteen, we concreted four courts for the family business from you know the age of. It, it sounds like child labour, but what it is <laughs> from eleven, twelve year old. If I told you some of the stuff that we got up to as kids, but for the greater benefit of the family, you know, and, and my dad building the business, you know, it's not that other people don't do it, but that's how we were brought up. And you know, I just never thought that I was going to get an opportunity. Or I'm looking now. I'm just looking. I just walked away from the turn around, looked at these overalls piled up here. Um, it's ridiculous the amount of them because I think there's I think I counted 21 or 22 pairs and I've actually given some for auction previously um, I know there's more at my mum and dad's you know I'm looking Suzuki uh, Pirelli doing one-offs for Pirelli Suzuki Mitsubishi uh, mobile ones for, for the in the focus with Andreas Honda Skoda Peugeot uh, Rallycross ones you know it's just I, I was I was very lucky but I suppose at the same time um, I did work for it, and I've very few regrets, if, if if many or any, because like I say, you can't change what happened behind. Um, I, of course, I would uh, deep down, I would love a crack uh, in a car again. It's one of those things that doesn't leave you. Um, I gave some tuition to a local guy in an R5 car uh, before Christmas, and uh, I sat in a car with uh, Timo Sonnen and um, I think it was maybe a year or two ago the new the new generation of cars and my goodness they are something else uh, the downforce in them is just 
for the passenger seat, I remember for the first sort of few kilometres thinking, it's got to be going down another one. Everything is just a gear up. And it didn't take long to get my head into it from the passenger seat, but to get your head into it on a consistency level with pace notes, you know, that would be a hell of a jump to go back into. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I suppose rallying never really leaves you, but I have, like I say, until I had to clear out all of this stuff and talk to you, I've kind of pushed it to one side as much as, or, or as far away as I wanted to be, put it like that. What a great place to finish. Guy Wilkes, thanks for joining us on Absolute Rally. No problem. This is Absolute Rally. What a great place to finish with Guy. Um, again, it was one of those pods that we did and we genuinely didn't know how long it was going to take to do. And that's why it became a two-parter. Um, and normally we wouldn't perhaps have you know such in-depth stuff like that. But um, this period of time has allowed us to, to stretch our legs a little bit and, and do stuff a little bit more in-depth. And uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed that. If you are um, new to us, welcome. It's fantastic to have you along it's a weird time for you to join us normally we're doing up to the minute stuff and and you know talking to drivers that are just about to go out onto the stages so to speak at wrc erc brc and asia pacific levels all over the world so if you are new to us welcome uh, we really do appreciate the download thank you for that if you've not yet checked out um the 1995 documentary two-parter that we did and um, before all this kind of um well, just as all this, I suppose, kind of started, um, it's a couple of weeks ago now, or six weeks ago now that we put out the documentary. Uh, it's one of the best things I think we've done. There was an incredible amount of work, but from lots of people behind the scenes, not just me, you just hear my voice granted, but there were so many people who worked hard behind the scenes to put it together in the timescale we we did it and we're incredibly proud of what we did. And those who've listened to it have really enjoyed it. We've had some fantastic feedback as well on that. So if you've not checked that out, Go back, have a little look at some of our previous episodes. And as I say, it's the 95 special and it's not necessarily the way you would expect 95 to be looked at. Of course, Colin was crowned World Rally Champion, but it's seen through other people's eyes who were there with different teams and broadcasters and tyre manufacturers and everything else. And uh, it's something that we really enjoyed doing and it's something which we may well look at doing other things similar in the future and that's all we'll say for now before we commit ourselves to too much I'll get myself into trouble but still there you go um, folks it has been a joy uh, as ever to bring this podcast to you if you've enjoyed it as I say if you could share like subscribe tell a friend do all those things that would be great and we'll be back same time same place in your little podcast hall next week Absolute Rally powered by the Keel the Works team spread the word and download the podcast every week 